Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Chapter number two, if you'll take your Bible, turn there, 2 Kings chapter number two. And I'm glad to be up here in the cold with you. And uh, I think there is some movement up in the cold and, and I don't mind it. Uh, we don't get much snow down in the Atlanta area. And so I'm glad to see it because I don't have to live in it, so I'm, I'm glad I get to see it, and I'll uh, be able to, to get on a plane and go back to where it's warm, but I like, like to be able to see it at least. I, I feel like I, I have a coat, I have a few jackets, I just can't ever legitimately wear one, but now I can this week, brought it with me, but I came in with it in my hand, I still wasn't wearing it, I'm so used to not wearing it, but I'm sure this week I'll get to put it to use. Well, as uh, Pastor mentioned, I am... Um, also very aware God's doing a work and and uh, I when brother Edwards called me I was in Indiana in fact when he called and and when he was telling me I just was thinking in my mind I, I don't I don't I can't see in my mind's eye any opening and I'm, I don't know I just knew when he mentions a date I'm gonna have to tell him I just don't have anything available and while he's talking I was walking down the hallway of the hotel, and I pulled it up, and I said, Brother Edwards, this is the only week that I don't have anything scheduled. It's this week, and, and, and I don't have to, to travel, I, I, and I really don't, and, and, and I understand, uh, having traveled for 12 years in evangelism, that, uh, well, I, God did something in my heart when he put me into the church there as the pastor, and switch was flipped and and I, I I just love being there with the people and I love being with my family but when I do go somewhere I have to know in my heart because I don't want to live with regret I have to know God's in it and I I just knew in that phone call that this would be a meeting that God would would orchestrate and be one of those divine appointments and I hope You'll see that as well, and I hope it'll be that way for you. Um, it might be different for you. You might get through this and think, this was like my mother-in-law showing up, and, uh, and this just didn't go the way I thought it would go. And, and, uh, but I, I, hope, I hope you'll see God's hand in it, and, and I'm grateful for the journey that Grace Baptist Church has been on. And, and I hear a lot of pastors who've come through and preachers have come through, and, and they've come through and they preached here, and they've been touched and encouraged. That means that you're responding to the Lord and you're doing, letting God do a great work in your heart and that's an encouragement and I hope that we'll just see a continuation this week. And one of the things that we pray there at Canaan Baptist and uh, is where I, where I, I pastor there in Georgia, uh, we pray God would you go deeper and would you widen the circle. Go deeper, but we want to widen it so more people can get into it. And uh, I think it's good that we pray that this week. I feel burdened this week to be able to go into some of the, uh, 
in talking about revival, looking at this aspect of praying. And I, I've battled for years knowing prayer is right. We've got to pray. But I just felt like I was broken in that area. And I don't feel like I've arrived in that area by any means, but I believe God's been doing some incredible things there at Canaan Baptist Church, and I think He's been doing it because of prayer. We just finished a little over seven years. <clears throat> I mentioned I was on the road, on the road for 12 years. My wife and I were married 17 years before God gave us our first child. And it wasn't by design, but it was by God's design. And, and so we prayed, and 16 years, God give us a child, and, and God did. Um, we then had two right after that. We didn't pray for those, and uh, so <laughs> we're having to catch up on praying for those. But I tell you, my coffee intake got stronger and more frequent once that happened. I realize why God gives little ones to younger people instead of older uh, as I, I am. But we, I, I, we're, we're thrilled and thankful. I have the time of my life. Uh, Priscilla, she's eight, and Will, he is six, and Gretchen is five. And uh, it's just, it's, it's wonderful. We're, we're, we're just thrilled and thankful. But when we got there to Canaan, it would be in many ways, I, I would say, a traditional church in the South. You say, what does that mean? Well, I, I can't go into that right now, but it's it just, it just a, a good traditional church. But a, a good church is not the same as a revived church. A, a good church is not the same as a godly church. And um, some of the ones that were the goodest people, forgive the English, in the Bible, Jesus had some strong rebuke for them. And they were clean and polished, and, and they smelt good, and they looked good, but they just were not where God would have them to be. And, and I realized, well, Canaan, it's 60-some um, years old. And I, I realized if God's going to do something, God's going to have to do it because I realize I really don't know what I'm doing. I don't know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how, to, how to navigate this and change anything. And so one of the things that happened was we started a men's prayer meeting. Sunday mornings. Our, at the time, this was pre-COVID, and our buses would go out about um, 8 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. So we had men's prayer at 7.30. And we did that about five years ago, and today we had men's prayer this morning. We had 43 men show up for men's prayer. And we walked through, and in fact, I'm just doing it right now, what I did five years ago, because we have so many new men that have come in. We walked through on how to give a challenge. Because I believe from the playpen to the pulpit, Every man, especially, every man needs to know how to handle the Bible and how to articulate what God's doing in your heart. And so I told him, you're going to give a challenge. You're going to give a testimony. Don't go over 10 minutes. And we typed it up and handed it out. We, we line them up. I'll tell you, it's, it's a wonderful joy to be able to see, uh, as I mentioned even to our men this morning, reminiscing some of the men who have stood up, remember, uh, Henry Butler, 87 years old, stood up and said, I've never given a, a challenge before ever. And he'd been in the church 43 years. The Lord took him home not too long ago. 
But to see men get up and, and get honest and transparent, it did something. And men started rising to the occasion. Men started recognizing, you know, I need to be a leader. I need to be uh, used of God to, to, to lead my home and, and, and lead in the church. And, and so then they started becoming very aware of their needs and how broken they were. Pornography issues, anger issues, whatever issue. And then we started praying and seeking and, and uh, strategizing so that we can see revival among the men. You know, that is God's order, by the way. I don't know if this is working or not. Anybody hear that right there? Anybody hear that? Some of you had to look over at your wife to see if that was okay. Amen on that one. I tell you, it's okay. Yeah, we live in an effeminate society, and it's hard for men to, to be men. I mean, we, get, we have a, 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 a Bruce Jenner who was on the Wheaties box and now goes to the Fruit Loop box. And, <clears throat> and you see the whole mess that's going on with the, uh, with the, the, the transgender athletes and and, it, and, it, and it's a mess. And, and, and don't think for a moment it's not affecting our churches. It is affecting our churches. Yeah, it is. And so it, it is a challenge. You know, they're just this week the big deal is these figure skaters coming out of the closet. Well, we knew that 25 years ago. <laughs> I mean, eh, there's a reason they're not on the hockey team. I mean, we, we, we could have told you that. I'm just telling you how, how society is, is working and working through all that. And, and yet, we have men who can go out in the woods and men who can do their sports, but men who can't seem to lead where it really matters. And so we started seeing a move of God and, and God just worked. And I want to tell you what I found was the one, I mean, there's so many, there, there's no similarity to evangelism and pastoring, but one of the most glaring things about pastoring is it's messy. It's just messy. Because the church is a hospital. It's a place where you should be able to hurt out loud and people to come in without the mask. I'm not talking about the COVID mask, but I'm talking about hiding behind this mask and putting on a pretense. And I'm glad that we don't have to do that. If there's any place in Kettering where you shouldn't have to do that, it should be Grace Baptist Church where you can come in. And this is a hospital, but God doesn't want you to stay sick. He wants to do some cutting in your life to get you well and whole. He wants to turn the, the patients into doctors. And so messy but it's encouraging because that's just the Christian life that's revival we started seeing the men men grow and and then we started a and I apologize for my voice I I, 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 I don't know what what got into it I think somebody sabotaged my coffee this morning and, and in hopes of shortening the message this morning but um, we started a Saturday night revival prayer meeting and every Saturday at 7 o'clock. And when football season came around in college football, I wondered, how's it going to work? I tell you, you, just to see people get hungry. And we have a symphony of prayer. Um, and we'll talk about that later. And, but we, we had last night, or Saturday night, yeah, last night, 7 o'clock, we had 
uh, just right at 45, come for Saturday night, 7 o'clock. And I throw it out there at them. You want to go earlier before dinner? What, do, what would you like to do? You know, I, I'm willing to move it to be convenient for you, whatever you like. Um, you know, I don't do that with everything, but I throw it out there. And they say, no, if we, if we have to do this only when it's convenient, we don't need to be doing this. I thought, whoa, that's good. There are things that we pray for every Saturday night that we see happen Every Sunday, God answers prayer. It's, an, it's amazing to watch this. And, and, and we're praying a good hour. And there are people who say, I cannot believe, we, I thought we just started. It's because God got into it. Look, if you would, in 2 Kings chapter number 2, this is the end of Elijah's life. Elijah is heading back, being taken up and by God and, and Elisha, who has been um, taken and, and mentored by Elijah. So Elijah is the older preacher, Elisha is the younger, and Elijah is taken up. And notice in verse number 13. He took up also the mantle, this is Elisha of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said where is the Lord God of Elijah and when he also had smitten the waters they parted hither and thither and Elisha went over verse 15 and when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Do you see what happens here? Now Elisha's on his own. Elijah has been taken up into heaven and here he is. The mantle is left behind as Elijah's taken up in the whirlwind and and Elisha picks it up and he says, where's the Lord God of Elijah? And the Bible says that he takes that mantle and he, and he hits the water, strikes the water, and the waters part hither and thither. And that's God's way of saying to Elisha, here I am. We want to be able to, to talk about prayer this week and, and this matter of revival because we need to understand something about prayer if we're going to experience real revival. And when we begin to understand real revival, we need to understand something about prayer. And here's a man who had spent time with Elijah. Here's what he did not say. Where are some of Elijah's friends? Where's my alumni directory? Where's the mission board? Where's evangelist so-and-so? He said, no, I've been with Elijah long enough. I know what to do. God, where are you? God showed himself, manifested himself, and God continued that relationship with Elisha just like he had with Elijah. Tonight as we start this, I want us to think about this. Why is it that God used Elisha? 
Why is it that God used Elisha? Why God used Elisha? And listen to me. You and I will find out how God can use you. You know God wants to show up in your life. He wants to meet with you. We need to deal with the unbelief, the sin of unbelief that keeps us from thinking that God wants to use me. We believe that God loves us. We believe that God is in the miracle business today, but we always think it's for somebody else. No, God wants to use you. He wants to show up in your life. He wants to meet with you. Why God used Elisha? How God can use you. Would you go over to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we'll see one of the most basic ingredients as to why God used Elisha and how it is that God can use us. In 1 Kings chapter 19, notice the end of the chapter. <clears throat> so he, that's Elijah, departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him and left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father, my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Now, Elijah, he's on his way from Sinai to Damascus when God directs Elijah, the, the older preacher, to go across the steps of the younger Elisha. The Bible says Elisha's in the field plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He has the 12. Elijah comes along and he takes his mantle and he wraps it around the shoulders of the younger Elisha. Now it's symbolic for a number of things, but one thing is clear. When Elijah cast his mantle, here's what he's saying to Elisha. God wants to use you, Elisha. God wants to use you. And again, I go on record to say tonight, God wants to use you. And God wants to use you. And God did want to use Elisha. But in order for God to use Elisha, he had to respond properly to that call. And that he did. I want you to see the very most basic thing and ingredient as to why God used Elisha. And the most basic ingredient after that of salvation as to how God can use us is this. Number one, Elisha was a surrendered man. He was surrendered. He was surrendered. The Bible tells us when he receives that message from Elijah that God wants to use him by the wrapping around of the mantle. The Bible says that he goes back and he communicates to his mom and dad. He takes his plows and he burns the plows. He takes the cows and he kills the cows. And then he has a feast and he informs everybody, God wants to use me. He surrendered. In 2 Chronicles 30 and verse number 8, Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord. In Daniel chapter 4, we find that it is said of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, saying that they yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Why? Because the three Hebrew children were not perfect, but they were surrendered. Romans 12 and verse 1, we know this one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. You with me tonight? Reasonable service. Aren't you glad, not, that, glad that God's not asking anything that is unreasonable of us? Remember the Bible says in John chapter number 6, there were multitudes that walked, multitudes of disciples that walked away from Jesus. You know what the Bible says that they said? Well, it's just what Jesus is saying is too hard. Just too hard. The same Jesus that said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is, and my burden is, but they said it's too hard. It's not that what Jesus was saying is too hard. It's that they didn't think he would demand being all in. Reasonable reasonable service. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5, And this they did not as we hoped, first gave of their own selves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Paul asked with consternation, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are His. You know, some of the most misunderstood, misused, and misapplied verses I sometimes think in all the Old Testament, if not the, the entire Bible, are the verses that I find many times in a Christian school, in a Christian school yearbook, whether it be a high school or college. You know, I can take a yearbook and, and I can thumb to the place where the seniors might be. And many times they'll have the, their picture in a life verse. And many times I'll find this verse or two verses. And I say these are some of the most misunderstood, misused, and misapplied verses in all the Bible. It's the verse or verses, Proverbs chapter 3, and verse 5, or 6, or 5 and 6. And many times people are holding those life verses because they're graduating from one station of life, going into uncharted waters, as they graduate and move on. And so they hold on to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 as God's promise to direct my path. Hear me, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is not primarily about God directing you as much as it is about you surrendering to God. Listen carefully. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Well, I wonder what part of that one's difficult to understand. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Well, why would he say that? Maybe it's because a lot of people say something like this. Well, preacher, there's, you know, the way I see it, well, I really don't care how you see it. Yeah, what I care about is, what does he say about it? And trust and some of you, you're, you act like you just swallowed your tongue there. Uh, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And by the way, then he'll direct your path. See, it's 
misunderstood and misapplied if you're taking that as God's promise to direct you until you surrender first to him. See, a lot of times people, when you hear a message on surrender, I've seen they, they just turn it off. They just say, well, this doesn't apply to me. It's like when a preacher preaches a gospel message. You say, well, I hope somebody, if they're lost, they get saved. But this doesn't apply to me because I've been saved before. And when you hear surrender, we say, that doesn't apply to me. I, I, I've surrendered before. And so, therefore, this doesn't apply to me. I can tell you when I surrender. I can show you the place at the altar where I surrender. I can tell you about the revival meeting where I surrender. I can tell you about the missions conference. I can show you the place at camp where I surrender. Listen, there's a big difference between surrender and salvation. There are similarities. No one, no one will ever get saved by accident. No one will ever get to heaven and wonder, well, how did I get here? It requires a conscious, definite, purposeful decision on your part when you recognize sin is the problem, hell's consequence, Jesus is the answer. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want my sin. I need Jesus. No one is saved by accident. No one is ever surrendered by accident. Salvation. It's a one-time event. I'm glad for that. It's kind of like getting married. I said I do. My wife said I do. Preacher said we did. I don't have to do it again. We just had a couple in our church. They said it's our uh, 50th anniversary. Would you, can we renew our wedding vows? I said, if you want to. I said, I'm not going to do it. I mean, I, I'll do it for y'all, but I would never do it. It was too much money and too much work the first time around. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> My Bible says it worked, and so I don't have to do it again. But if y'all want to do it, you can do it, and I'll enjoy eating the cake at the reception afterwards, and we did it. Salvation, it's a one-time event. But here's the big difference with surrender. It's daily. I'm not asking if you have surrendered in the past. The emphasis in the Word of God is, are you surrendered right now? Are you right now surrendered? Are there some cows you need to kill and is there some plows you need to burn? Well, how can you tell if you're surrendered? Remember, his name was Saul. He was on his way to stamp out Christianity. He met Jesus Christ. And, and when he met Jesus there on that road to Damascus, he cried out, Who art thou, Lord? Recognizing somebody greater than himself. And Jesus didn't beat around the bush. He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest, it's hard to kick against the pricks. And, and then Saul cries out, what will thou have me to do? You know what Jesus told him to do? Write half the New Testament. No. He said, get up and go to town. And then it'll be told to you what you must do. See, a lot of times we pray, Lord, I want to know what to do, meaning I want to know who to marry, I want to know what job to take, I want to know what school to go to, I want to know what to do with our house, I want to know about these big things out there. And yet Jesus said to Saul, get up and go to town. And do you know how Saul got up and went to town? He was blind. Which meant he had to trust the Lord with all of his heart and lean not onto his own understanding, but in all of his ways acknowledge him. You want to know why Saul became Paul and writer of half the New Testament? Because when Jesus said, get up and go to town, he got up and went to town. What is surrender? Here it is. It's a willingness to do anything that God wants you to do. 
It's a willingness to do anything that God wants you to do. Is there anything that God wants you to do, but you're unwilling? Surrender is a willingness to do anything. And it is an obedience to God in everything. Surrender is a willingness to do anything, and it's obedience to God in everything. A deacon in Wisconsin came to me one night after the service and said, well, based upon that definition, it's impossible to be surrendered. I said, based upon that definition, it's plain and simple how to be surrendered. What are you holding back from God? The Bible tells us in Hosea chapter number 10, one of the problems with God's people is that they were this, they had this problem called fallow ground. He describes and compares them to being backsliding heifers. In other words, fallow ground. They have a heart problem. And he described what their heart problem looked like. He says it, it looks like backsliding heifers. I, I, I'm, I wouldn't call you a fat cow. That's what Hosea is saying. It's not a compliment. He's saying to them, here's the evidence that you've got a, a, an unsurrendered heart. What is the backsliding heifer? It's this. Not going to budge. I don't know where you are out there. We're in here. It's just us and no one else in here. But I'll tell you, a lot of times in church, we see this just in church. Well, let me ask you, when's the last time you've been to an altar? Oh, uh, well, you know, I don't have to go to the altar to get right with God, Brother Ingram. Well, I know that. But here's what I also know. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. You do have to be humble. Because ain't nobody right with God who's proud. I dare say that many people stay in their seat rather than making a trip to the altar, not because they're too humble, but they just might be a little bit too... Our invitations sound kind of like a a zipper-thon. People have the zip, 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 zip. Everyone's making their exit strategy. James chapter 1 tells us the people in Kettering who have the chance of being most deceived are those who hear Bible preaching but you're not satanically deceived, you're self-deceived. I'm saying tonight If we're going to ever experience revival and a move of God, we've got to burn the plows and kill the cows. You've got to be willing to do anything God wants you to do, and you're going to have to be obedient to everything God tells you to do. Go back to the invitation. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I'd go forward, but my my knees are so bad, if I ever got down there, I probably couldn't get up. I say, well, that's probably what you need to do then. We get cute about that kind of stuff. 
But I'm telling you, it really says an awful lot at times. Right now, preaching for me is a 92. He'll be 93 in March. Every Sunday morning, we have our worship. We have our designated worship section where we will uh, have a song and make a a statement about it, and the most biblical posture in the Bible, if you ever study worship, the most biblical posture, you'll be on your face. If you find the most biblical posture in all the Bible when it comes to worship, it's kneeling, it's lying out. Dr. Childs, he, he puts himself out there. I mean, he, he was at the altar this morning. I preached on the Great Commission. He said, God, I want you to use me to see people saved this year, 2022. What's our excuse? We need to burn the plows and kill the cows. Where are you going to be tomorrow night? You know, I don't know who's who and what's what here and... and um, but I know that there are churches down south where I'm from that people will only go to church on Sunday and they don't make plans to come back Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I don't know if you do that up here, but because that does happen, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss what God's going to do Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So I asked Pastor if I can preach an extra hour tonight just in case you might miss it because I, don't, I, don't, I want you to get it in there. Just wanted to see if you're with me. I had somebody, somebody tell us we, we couldn't be at church for a meeting. I said, you need to be there at the meeting. Uh, you need, where, where were y'all? Our dog was having puppies. I said, well, good to meet you. I didn't know y'all were midwives to dogs. I'm pretty sure they've been having puppies for the last five to 7,000 years without our help, and they're going to go on having puppies without. And I hope God kills that dog if it keeps you out of church. You say, well, that's me. I want to tell you, it's no worse than somebody saying, I don't really give a rip if God shows up or not. There's a problem somewhere. You know what it is? God resists the proud. Could you imagine not being in the upper room there in Acts chapter 1 and 2 when God showed up? Well, you know, our kids got to get to bed. So do ours. You know what? We took Will last night to prayer meeting in his pajamas. Thinking already because we're going to get done late. We're going to get done past his bedtime. But here's what I'm convinced of. I would have hated to have missed out in the upper room in Acts chapter 1 in that 10-day prayer meeting because our special was on that night. Super Bowl was going on that night. Um, dog was having puppies and whatever. And we miss God showing up. I'm saying we need to burn the plow and kill the cow. Some of you are looking pale. You Okay. You're all right. I mean, we're just talking about reasonable, reasonable service. This is normal Christianity. He burned the plow, he killed the cow. Willing to do anything, obedient to God in everything, 
daily. Now take your Bible and let's go over 2 Kings chapter 2. And we'll finish up here. Second Kings chapter 2, <clears throat> verse number 1, it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Now, if we were to read down through here, here's what you'd find. God directed Elijah to go from verse 1, from Gilgal, to verse 2, Bethel, verse 4, to Jericho, verse 6, over to Jordan. Each time, Elijah turns to Elisha and says, Now God is sending me, going from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho and over to Jordan. And Elijah said, You need to stay put. You better stay put. And Elisha's response was, as long as I'm alive, you're alive, God's alive, I'm sticking with you. And what happens? Elijah goes, and Elisha goes with him. What is it that's happening here? Someone says, Elisha's disobedient. Well, he's not disobedient, because he's not going to get the blessing of God if he's disobedient. But here's what's happening. Elijah knows if you're going to be, remember, this is the same Elijah who prayed and saw the fire of God come down in his midst. This is a man who knows what it's like to be intimate in communion with God. And he's saying to Elisha, God's not through with me. We're might, we might be getting to the end, but God's not through with me yet. And, and God wants me to go from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho and over to Jordan. You might want to stay put. And here's what Elisha says. I'm not doing it. I'm sticking with you here's why God used Elisha. Here's why God showed up in Elisha's life later in chapter 2 and ongoing in the rest of his ministry, maybe double the, the amount of miracles in Elisha's life than Elijah's. It's not just because he was surrendered, willing to do anything, obedient to God in everything. He burned the plow, he killed the cow. But number two, here's why God used Elisha. And here's the only way God's going to show up in your life and meet with you on a regular basis and be God in your life. Number two, you got to get serious. You got to get serious about the things of God. I think Elijah's simply telling him, Pastor, I think he's just saying, if you're not serious about God, you're not going to want to make this trip. You just got to get serious. You know why it's important to be serious? Because God is serious. I, don't understand. I understand if you're lost and on your way to hell. I understand you come into church without a Bible. But I don't understand God's people showing up to God's house in the United States of America without even bringing a copy of God's Word. Oh, well, you know, uh, preacher, I got it on my phone right here. Yeah, and you got some other junk on your phone too. I'm saying, we're not all that serious. What, what, what time is he getting done? Oh, we didn't come to get out, we came to get in. Well, you know, who do you think you are? No, who do you think God is? 
When are we going to get serious? I'll tell you what COVID did. It told us who was serious and who wasn't. It told us the churches. There are still churches who are not having services. We shut down for a few weeks, just like everyone else did to try to. But once we figured out, this thing is, this, this is messed up. And I've told our church repeatedly, we're not shutting down again. If everybody gets COVID, we're not shutting the church down. We're not shutting down what we didn't start. Jesus started it. It's his body. He's the head of it. He's also called the great physician. We're not shutting this down. We need this. But the problem is, we're just not that serious about it. Oh, I, I kind of like going, just being at home, just watching the live stream. I hate the live stream. I'm a pastor of a local church, and, and, I, and I just hate the thought people are going to stay home. So I, I, we, we, we do live stream, but, but I have this love-hate relationship with it. So we, we put, we've sometimes put passwords on it sometimes. We haven't since COVID, but we did before then. You want to watch it, you got to put in the password. Where do you get the password? You contact your Sunday school teacher, and they'll give you the password. What's the password? We change it. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. I mean, we just do whatever. Wish you were here, hope you don't die. You know, that kind of thing. We just, we just trying to be a blessing. If anybody could have done live stream, visions, visions, Jesus could have done that. But he thought it was important enough that he showed up in the upper room on a Sunday night. Now we've got a group of people who think, well, I, I'm going to train for ministry by staying in my pajamas, just doing it all online. I think there are things you can take online. I'm not, I'm not discrediting that. But what I am saying is there's something to be said about when are we going to get serious? We, we come dragging in. We, we, don't, we don't sing. I, I, I'm glad to hear and the, the singing. Down south it'd be singing. <laughs> Same songs, but just <laughs> pronounce it different. But, but why don't we get serious about it? And here's what Elisha too was serious about, not just God. But he was serious about following the man of God. And please don't miss this. Elisha never criticized, undermined, or crossed Elijah. You say, if Elijah was my pastor, I wouldn't have any trouble either. If Elijah was your pastor, we'd probably be dead. Oh, just chapter number one. Elijah's up on the mountain. Ahab is ticked off with Elijah, sends a captain with 50 men to go get Elijah. The captain with 50 men says, um, Oh, thou man of God, the king says, you come down, you better come down now. Elijah said, if I be a man of God, let the fire of God fall. And the fire of God fell and consumed that captain with 50 men. The, the king says, I'm not putting up with it. 
sent a second captain with 50 men. That captain with 50 men went to the bottom of the mountain. Oh, thou men of God, the king said, you better get down here now. Elijah said, if I be a man of God, let the fire of God fall down, consume you. And the fire of God fell, killed that captain with 50 men. I think the smartest man in the Old Testament up to this point is that third captain. It's all in chapter 1. Because when the third captain comes to Elijah, if you had to step over 102 dead bodies to go see the preacher, or you might think about how you approach them. And that captain approaches Elijah and he says this, Oh, thou man of God, would you pray about just seeing if it's convenient in your schedule, if you can work in just coming down to see the king, but if, no, if it doesn't work out, no problem whatsoever. And God says, Elijah, you go ahead. Here's what I'm saying. Elijah's a strange bird. He was a man, James says, is like us. He was frail. We know of him getting discouraged. He wanted to die. He was afraid and ran from a woman who was trying to uh, mess with the ministry that God had called him to. Elisha, however, never undermined it. 17 years we prayed that God would give us Priscilla. 16 years, 17th year, we got her. For years as an evangelist, I prayed about where God would have us base. Have you ever heard that before? Where do we base out of? Sometimes missionaries, evangelists, I base out of. And so there was a point in time, Brother Josiah, um, pastor, was saying when I was up there at, at, at BCM and seminary, we went there for that reason and to launch out into evangelism. And then we're praying, where are we going to base? For years, I was getting advice from older evangelists, where should I base? And then through a myriad of circumstances and divine events, God helped me to see I didn't need to base anywhere. I didn't need to base in any church. I needed to belong. And the watershed moment in my life, in my marriage, and in my ministry, was when I realized I don't need to base out of a church. I need to belong to a church. I needed a pastor. I needed a church family. And when I honored what God honors, the church, not only did our ministry just fling wide open, but God gave us the greatest request of our hearts to give us a child. Why? Because that's why God sent his child. Not just to seek and to save those who are lost, but to start one of the greatest institutions called the church. And Christ says that this is his body and he's the head. I say we need to get serious. What's your relationship with the pastor?
You say, well, I haven't chewed them out lately. I think we're on pretty good terms. You say, ah, you're just preaching this for the pastor's sake. No, no. No, no. I'm preaching this for your sake. I don't know that my pastor knew where I was every week. I don't know that he even cared. He would say that's not true. He did. But I want to tell you, I cared. Even if he didn't reciprocate to me, I wanted to be under his leadership. I wanted to be under the umbrella of protection. I wanted that because I knew that's where God's blessings came from. Boy, the hardest thing, the hardest thing going to Canaan Baptist Church in 2014 was not coming off the road. And our meetings were, we were filled, our schedule was filled for three and four years out. My wife loved being on the road. If she had her preference, we'd still be on the road. The hardest thing going to Canaan Baptist as the pastor was leaving the church that we belonged to. I'm telling you, we need to get serious. If we're going to move into this matter of revival blessing and, and get a hold of the wonderful privilege of praying, we need to make sure we're surrendered. Burn some plows, kill the cows, and let us get serious about the things of God. Two great commandments, what are they? I'll paraphrase, you know them. Love God and then he expounds upon that and love others. And you know what he's given us to help us? He always, God's truths are always practical. He gives us a church. How much do you love God? Well, he gives us a church to flesh it out. How much do you love the neighbor and others? He gives us a church to flesh it out. Let's get serious, shall we? Let's stand together, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, I thank you for the great liberty and preaching and before these great people. And I know the leadership here of Pastor Kagan is, is on the revival journey to, to see you go deeper and see the circle wide. And Lord, we pray it again tonight, do it. And Lord, I thank you for speaking to my own heart once again. And Lord, I, I don't want anything between my soul and the Savior. Lord, I want to be a blessing this week. And I, I want to experience the blessing of your presence in our midst. Lord, we, we, we can search our own hearts and we're going to miss some things. So we pray as David, search me, O oh God. And I pray if there's people here tonight who need to get saved, help them to see. Today's the day of salvation. Lord, help them to see. They, they don't have to go to hell for their pride. Help them to see they don't need to go to hell because of peer pressure. Help them to get it settled today. And then for others. Maybe there's been surrender in the past, but the issue is being surrendered right now. And then just getting serious about what you're doing. Serious about the things of God, the move of God, the work of God. Getting serious. Or would you meet with us and revive us?
with heads bowed. And when I ask you a couple questions, questions are not foreign to you, I'm sure, in an invitation. But let me ask you this. Who would say, preacher, God spoke to me tonight specifically about burning a plow or killing a cow and specifically in this area of surrender, God spoke to me tonight. And if God spoke to you, would you just put your hand up good and high? Lord bless you. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. Hey, I'm telling you, God spoke to me about it, and, and I'm thankful for that. I am so thankful he's still speaking to us. He would say, preacher, God spoke to me tonight about this matter of getting serious. We live in a society that's not serious about the things of God. In fact, our churches don't even seem to be serious about the things of God. But I'm glad Grace Baptist is a different church. But it's not going to stay different by accident. We've got to be very aware. And you say, God spoke to me tonight about being serious. If that's you, would you put your hand up? Lord bless you. Amen. 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 Lord, meet with us in this invitation time. We're not looking for the sensational. No, we're not. But we are looking for real. And you say that you resist the proud, but you give grace, that strength, that's power to the humble. And humble Christians are honest. And many honest hands went up. Lord, meet with each one at this moment and meet with them as they, in just a moment, open their eyes and step out and make their way forward just to do business with you, just to even thank you just to even get right with you. Whatever the need might be, help them to be doers and to access more grace as they trust you and obey. Lord, go deeper and may that circle widen this week. We love you, Jesus. As the piano plays, would you step out? God dealt with you. You raised your hand. Let's come. You get honest with God. Just thank Him if you need to thank Him. Confess. Agree with God. Get forgiveness, cleansing. Ask Him for help, for a step of next direction.
Thank the Lord for that message tonight. So helpful. Uh, two very important things. The surrender. We all need that. And uh, the seriousness. And uh, the world expects kind of a casualness about the things of God. Uh, we want to go tomorrow as we go out to our different places of work with a serious mindset. And uh, a lot of that starts, friends, right right in the morning in your time with God. And poise your heart. Let God, uh, let God uh, focus you and uh, send you in a day not just just going about your day. I just got to go to work, make a, a paycheck. You're going into that day serious about the things of God. It'll totally change your life. And so I urge you even tomorrow morning, get up and let God speak to your heart and uh, ask him to give you something. And uh, if you haven't, if you haven't uh, you worked on that, that soaps, reading the Bible and just seeking God for that one truth to take in the day, I, I encourage you to go back and, and listen, but work on that. Go into the day with tomorrow with something. So thank you for that message. Um, we are here tomorrow night, 7 p.m., and uh, I, I believe I believe I see it in your hearts that you want to receive the truth, and so let's let's gather together. Encourage you to reach out uh, to uh, to one another and encourage others to be here and be a part of this and see what God will continue to do. I want you to be praying about Tuesday. We are hosting a pastors gathering here on Tuesday, and uh, I just wanted to say to you, um, we're gonna we're gonna bless and encourage the pastors' wives that are coming along in specific, and so we've invited them and the the deacons have. Uh, uh, agreed to um, blessing the, those ladies that come along. Pastors' wives need encouraged, so we're looking forward to doing that. Brother Ingram will be preaching, as well as Pastor John Connor from the Liberty Baptist Church in Hilliard, Ohio. And uh, so that's going to be a good time. Um, I do still need, um, st- because we have a wider range of, of, of kids coming, um, I, I, I have two uh, child care uh, folks that are working, Miss uh, jo- uh, jo- uh, Joan and uh, Miss Diane are going to be working, but I could use a third lady to help out with that. And uh, so I have an 11-month-old that is coming, a two-year-old that's coming. That's kind of a wide age group that is, is coming. So if, if you could, would you see us, uh, one more lady, just to be a, of help? It's from 9 to about noon is, is what would be expected. So that would be a blessing. You know, some guys are coming to help work uh, security and just uh, host and, and so forth. So we thank the Lord for that. And uh, just uh, let's continue to be in prayer for this uh, these nights and just ask God to work, be inviting. God's going to give us opportunities tomorrow, amen? And so let's be inviting. I uh, want to just uh, share this. Uh, Cameron comes forward tonight. Uh, he received Jesus Christ yesterday after the Bible study. The teens got together for a, a time, um, Brother Caleb led a time of Bible study, and uh, I walked in on it in the hospitality room, and it was deep. And they were talking about uh, just questions that teens have, and so the Lord was working in his heart. And so congratulate him and praise the Lord for what God's doing in hearts. And, hey, I, I am th- thrilled at what God is just blessing in obedience. You're coming out as uh, we were just with that soul winning seminar, just simply just coming out and just taking that step of faith. So I urge you this Saturday morning, let's be a part of that and see what God will do. God's, God's going to usually lead someone to the Lord. And so praise the Lord. God is so good. Do you have that song passion for thee over there? Were you able to find it? Guys, do you have it in the back? Can you throw that up? Let's sing that as a closing. They sang a hymn and went out, right? So let's sing. Let's put it, to, uh, put it into words. And uh, Set my heart, O dear Father, on thee and thee only. Give me a thirst for thy presence divine. Let's sing that together on the verses together. Set my heart, O dear Father, on thee and thee only. Give me a pencil for thy presence divine. Lord, 
said. Amen. See you tomorrow night. God bless you.